0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: In our conversation today, we're honored to have join us the senior pastor of Harvest Valley Church of Pleasanton, Pastor Derek Meekins. And Pastor, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. You are Bay Area born and bred. (laughs) That's right. They're one of the rare ones out there. (laughs) More and more, you meet people that are transports from other parts of the world and find themselves attracted to the San Francisco Bay region, but you've spent your entire life here. You grew up in the city of Fremont.
2: Yeah. yeah, I was uh, born and raised, went to Fremont Christian School, uh, graduated, and then went to Bethany College, Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. So yeah, it's my home. Tell me a bit about that trajectory. At what point in
1: your life experience did you feel that God was saying, there's something here?
2: Yeah, around 17, I was uh, my junior year, and I knew God was calling me to ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I wasn't raised in a ministry home. So, um, but around my senior year, uh, a lot of my plans had failed. I thought I was going to go to a certain school that just didn't work out, and my mom suggested a place in Dallas, Texas called Christ for the Nations. So I just thought it was going to be a year of just getting my act together, but it turned out to be a place where God uh, brought me into my calling. How much of your experience at Fremont Christian do you attribute that to? A lot. I was in a, my senior year, I was in a traveling uh, drama group. I love the missions aspect of it. We went all over the all over Europe and uh went to churches and i just i got the bug and i thought man this is this is pretty cool. I want to do this for my life and that uh, that bug so to speak, in terms of a passion
1: for missions continues yeah. to this day in fact yes. you just very recently got back from a missions trip to the Philippines and and in your church i noticed even on your website um there's emphasis mm-hmm. on this idea of the importance of the church being involved in missions work That's sort right. of that let's influence Judea and Samaria but
2: also the uttermost parts of the earth why is that important well it's a it's a great test of our christianity um It's one thing to connect with those that we're closest to, but to get outside of ourselves and to touch other places that that are needing Christ, boy, it challenges you. It builds your faith. You come home, and you're ready to go for it. So that's the hope is that people that come on mission trips with us, and that's why we do mission trips is we want people to identify with their empowerment as Christians, because it's just not going to church. It's about getting out there and finding what's inside of you. And once they get to other places, it pulls it out of you. It's almost as if, and we
1: were talking about this a bit uh, off the air today. It's almost as if there are two churches that are existing side by side. Um, One that is very inward looking um, self-centered mm-hmm. self-focused and the other that I think is a more accurate depiction and reflection of the first century church of the church that we see for example in the book of Acts that has more of that outward looking approach. Right. You use the term get outside of ourselves yeah. uh, certainly that that's clear in its applicability to missions but do you think that's also important just in terms of the overall church's influence, and I, and I mean that not just as the, the organism, the organization, the church, but as individual believers in terms of looking out beyond ourselves and impacting and touching every life that we come in contact That's with. Right. The newspaper boy, the neighbor down the street, the, the the worker in the cubicle next to us, the guy
2: that we, we run into at the BART station every day. That's right. I mean, Paul de- describes us as a royal priesthood. We're not Bound to a segment or to just a religious house, but we are we are uh, we should go into all parts we are uh in the order of Melchizedek, not just priest doing the work of God, but we are uh, royal in the sense of we are kings and we should we should make an emphasis in every um walk of life, whatever your called to, whatever your purpose is, uh, make an emphasis in that. And so that's what we believe. We believe, no, the church is supposed to go outside to make the impact.
1: Did those early mission trips that you spoke of earlier help to solidify in your mind
2: the importance and the impact of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been to 40 countries, and each one of them has— uh, just a passion for the gospel. Um, you know, they get an emphasis there of, of, of church and of, of Christianity, but it's amazing when they see people come from 2,000 to 10,000 miles away for them. And, boy, you're, you get a voice like crazy in their life, and you're able to really make an impact. Because they see, and it it speaks to them. It's like, okay, now that we've done it, you need to do it.
1: Some of these nations, and I'm thinking in particular of places like the former Soviet Mm -hmm. Union, communist China, um, a good percentage of Africa, and other places that are absolutely on fire. We've seen some numbers, for example, coming out of China that would suggest that up to 10,000 people Mm -hmm. a day come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you look at that sense of enthusiasm, phenomenal growth, and we wonder to ourselves, well, wait a minute now. In the United States, we have a church on every street corner. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom of speech. We have Christian magazines and newspapers and radio and TV stations. It seems as if all of the mechanisms that we ought to need to have an effective impact on behalf of the gospel here in america is all available at our disposal and yet if you look at the church in america compared to the church in some of these other places there's a major stark contrast Mm -hmm. you've seen this you've witnessed this pastor meekins firsthand why do you think there's that difference why does there appear to be such an a, a ravenous hunger for the things of god in other countries
2: well it's what you said uh Persecution, um, it it stirs up the heart to, to uh, want more. And, um, you know, we're blessed to be in a great nation where we're free to do a lot of different things. And some of those freedoms we're seeing start to slip now. But you go to nations where uh, – I went to one nation uh, where it was in Romania where the people – didn't even uh, they they were enjoying the freedom of actually singing out loud. They were confined to a room where they had to whisper and, and sing sing that at that level. And now they're free to sing, <laughs> and it just it, it's like a kid in a candy store. All the stuff that they were not able to do, uh, they're able to do. And I think that's where that uh, excitement and the passion for the things of god um um uh, is coming out i think in our nation the problem is is that we've had so much that um we don't we we haven't yet respected i guess uh not having it and boy but when you don't have it and you finally get it that's when it changes.
1: It also means then in some of these countries particularly that continue to experience persecution to this day the notion of being a cultural christian or a casual christian is probably virtually unheard of isn't
2: it? <laughs> You're right. I mean the churches I go to—that's not even a phrase. I mean, I mean you're going to
1: run the risk of, for example, losing your job or being sent to jail for three years because you're you're passing out Bibles or led somebody to Christ. I would imagine for that individual, you got to be pretty serious about what your commitment and your
2: relationship with the Lord. That's right. And most people, that is not a conflict of interest. They don't they don't care because they're just. They're just excited about having a voice right now. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's de- definitely different.
1: If you've just joined the conversation, we're today in studio with Pastor Derek Meekins. He's senior pastor at Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. Find out a bit more about the church coming up a little bit later on in our conversation. Meanwhile, we're going to take a brief time out. Come back to more as this edition continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back to our conversation. In studio with us today is Pastor Derek Meekins. He's senior pastor at Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. We were talking earlier, Pastor, about some of your overseas experiences and the impact that that had on your life, largely at a pretty young age. At what point did you feel as if, okay, God is definitely calling me to the ministry here, and you felt that tug to, to move into
2: actually becoming a pastor. 1986, uh, I, I knew it was, I was coming back from New Orleans. Uh, I went to Mardi Gras, not, not to party, but I was in a ministry group and um, to see the, the, the impact that we made just in a short few days. And my partner and I in that day and a half 57 people came to the Lord, and I'm like, this is addicting. (laughs) I I want more of this. And uh, I just, I just, it just turned me on to um, not only the gospel message, but it just, I wanted to do it the rest of my life. So that evangelistic uh, part of my journey uh, really propelled me into uh, ministry in the pastoral. Ranks and as we mentioned, you know, in
1: addition to to your your studies and uh, uh, the time that you spent at Bethany College um, and then down at uh, Christ for the Nations, you also, oddly enough, uh, spent some time studying the law. Yeah, uh, and people think, well, yes, you (laughs) have to Old Testament, New Testament. No, I mean law from a legal standpoint,
2: and got a degree in business as well. What was the motivation behind that? I've just seen. Too many churches um, that are great churches, great heart uh, pastors that are really um, really have a good vision for their community, uh, fail not because of their heart for the community, but because of their inability uh, in the business. Uh, the business most churches don't have the ability to to bring in a CFO. Uh so the pastor has to manage between church and board and all these different uh dynamics, capital improvements and all everything. So you you you, you need to know a little bit. And so I, I didn't want to be uh in that place where it's like, okay, uh my board knows more than me. I I wanted to be able to uh, lead not just on a spiritual level but also in a business level as well as law. I mean, today we are faced with a lot of uh, um, a lot of laws that may affect the body of Christ, and and I don't want to be left out. I want to know. I want to be able to navigate some of these um, these laws that are coming down as it uh, pertains to the church. I want to be ahead of it not behind it. So that was the main reason I wanted to be well equipped as a pastor and and uh, there's there's other ways to do it. I mean, you can get people that know a lot of, in, in these areas, but but I, I at least wanted to have that, that cutting edge as a pastor.
1: So not only beneficial in terms of the stewardship angle, you mentioned about, you know, churches that will get themselves in trouble because they take on too enthusiastic of a building project, um, and all of a sudden they're just being crushed under right. that weight because they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. And, you know, there's a lot of good folks that sit on boards of elders or boards of deacons that are very well-meaning that might bring no professional expertise to the mm-hmm. table whatsoever. The other issue, though, that you touch on, which I think is a fascinating one, and that is that that while we enjoy, unlike most nations, a tremendous degree of autonomy and freedom in relationship to religious freedoms in America, First Amendment rights, et cetera, uh, that's beginning to change. Mm-hmm. And particularly in states like California – that are not only creating a, a a hostile environment to the church, that for example wants to build a new building, and the local city fathers say no, we want tax revenue coming out of that parcel of land. Uh, but also we're seeing things like the passage of laws that relate to, and I and I can't even believe we've come. This far in such a short period of time that all of a sudden now we're even at the point where we're legally questioning whether or not somebody's mm-hmm. the gender that they were born mm-hmm. and the influence that that can potentially have even on a church's hiring practices That's as right. it relates to uh, ministers and people that come on board as a part of the ministry that now all of a sudden have to deal with this tertiary power that's Mm -hmm. not coming from God, not coming from the church board
2: or the presbytery, but rather coming from the government. That's right, yeah. And I would say to the pastors that are listening, protect yourself. Protect your constitution and bylaws. It's there for a reason. It's your legal document for your 501c3. Make sure it has your distinctives clearly in it, because if it's not like Traditional marriage and who you want to hire. If you don't have that in your document, you may be suspect to be grandfathered into the newest law coming down uh, the pipes. And and a lot of times, you know, like I said, good intention is not good enough nowadays. You have to be smart. You have to know what you are doing. You have to get some good people around you that understand um politically as well as uh um uh legally what what's coming down are you seeing a paradigm shift taking place most definitely most definitely i mean the, the pastor today has to be a person that is well balanced in in everything you we just cannot st- stay in our study and you know work on our sermon for Sunday morning, I know a lot of pastors, obviously, they don't. That's only 10% of what we do. But we have to be well-equipped, get some people around us that know what they're doing so that we will be able to face uh, these things coming down. This paradigm shift,
1: is it something that the church has to respond to, or is this something that perhaps— has been allowed to take place because of some failure point of the church?
2: I think both. I think it is a, um, a systemic. It's our culture. uh, We cannot, um, uh, you know, it's one thing to try to fight or try to um, hold back uh, the the cultural. But but the reality is Scripture shows us that that this is going to come. It's going to fence will come. it is coming. We just have to make sure that we're prepared for it, and we are able to do uh whatever we can do to prevent our churches and prevent uh you know our rights from being uh taken away that
1: That cultural tide that would suggest things like strict separation of church and state, yeah. um It's okay to believe what you believe, but keep it to yourself. Uh, Go to your house of worship, do your thing behind your four walls on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, we don't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That certainly seems to be the direction in which the culture would like to push the church. But what about for the church's sake itself? From a biblical perspective— Uh, Does God want us to have our relationship with him to be a very private, personal, quiet thing that we keep to ourselves? Or is the church more called to be out there in terms of salt and light? Mm -hmm. And then what of the matter of discipleship? We spend a lot of time these days talking about church growth. There are seminars that that address the issue of becoming a seeker-sensitive in in that sort. We want to see numerical growth of the church. But the irony is, as I read the New Testament, there's not much talk about that, but there's a lot of talk about the importance of discipleship, what it is
2: to be a follower of Jesus. That's right. Well, I think it's both. Personally, having that personal devotion, I'm a real big believer in that, your relationship with the Lord and getting your prayer time in and developing yourself up as an individual. But that's not an end to its means. It's it's for the purpose of being outward. Uh, so that you're strong outside. So the church has uh, an obligation to spend time and develop themselves, but at the same time, take that now empowered person and and make a difference. We're not to be in a closet. We are to be out there. And um, you know, the narrative that the church has heard for years in separation of church and state that was never intended to be uh for the church to be in this little corner no it was the government back when the constitution meant something that the government was saying hey the we're not going to interfere with the church but it wasn't saying that the church can't interfere with life and and it's it's its country uh, i thank god you know, the 40 nations I go into, every one of them has had a terrible uh, time with their their governments and, and, and their rights. We're, we're so blessed as a nation. We have had years and years and years of incredible freedom. And, and I, I, sadly, I think the church hasn't taken advantage of it.
1: We'll pause on that point, come back to more of our conversation. Pastor Derek Meekins in studio with us today, senior pastor at Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. By the way, if you want to get more information about the church, You can check them out on the web at harvestvalley.org. That's harvestvalley.org. They meet Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. at 3200 Hopyard Road in Pleasanton. And again, complete details available on the web at harvestvalley.org. We take this brief time out. Back with more right after this.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back to our conversation. In studio with us today is Pastor Derek Meekins. He's senior pastor at Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. We were talking earlier, Pastor, about some of your overseas experiences and the impact that that had on your life, largely at a pretty young age. At what point did you feel as if, okay, God is definitely calling me to the ministry here, and you felt that tug to, to move
2: into actually becoming a pastor. 1986, uh, I, I knew it was, I was coming back from New Orleans. Uh, I went to Mardi Gras, not, not to party, but I was in a ministry group and um, to see the, the, the impact that we made just in a short few days. And my partner and I, in that day and a half, 57 people came to the Lord, and I'm like, this is addicting. (laughs) I I want more of this. And uh, I just, I just, it just turned me on to um, not only the gospel message, but it just, I wanted to do it the rest of my life. So that evangelistic uh, part of my journey uh, really propelled me into uh, ministry in the pastoral. Ranks. And as we mentioned,
1: you know, in addition to, to your, your studies and uh, uh, the time that you spent at Bethany College um, and then down at uh, Christ for the Nations, you also, oddly enough, uh, spent some time studying the law. Yeah. Uh, and people think, well, yes, you <laughs> have to Old Testament, New Testament. No, I mean, it, law from a legal standpoint yeah. and uh, got a degree in business as well. Yeah. What was the motivation behind that?
2: I've just seen... Too many churches um, that are great churches, great heart uh, pastors that are really um, really have a good vision for their community, uh, fail not because of their heart for the community, but because of their inability uh, in the business. Uh, the business most churches don't have the ability to to bring in a CFO. Uh so the pastor has to manage between church and board and all these different uh dynamics, capital improvements and all everything. So you 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 need to know a little bit. And so I, I didn't want to be uh in that place where it's like, okay, uh my board knows more than me. I, I wanted to be able to uh, lead not just on a spiritual level but also in a business level as well as law. I mean, today we are faced with a lot of uh, um, a lot of laws that may affect the body of Christ, and and I don't want to be left out. I want to know. I want to be able to navigate some of these um, these laws that are coming down as it uh, pertains to the church. I want to be ahead of it not behind it. So that was the main reason I wanted to be well equipped as a pastor and and uh, there's there's other ways to do it. I mean, you can get people that know a lot of in, in these areas, but But I I, at least wanted to have that that cutting edge as a pastor.
1: So not only beneficial in terms of the stewardship angle, you mentioned about, you know, churches that will get themselves in trouble because they take on too enthusiastic of a building project, um, and all of a sudden they're just being crushed under that weight because they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. And, you know, there's a lot of good folks that sit on boards of elders or boards of deacons that are very well-meaning that might bring no professional expertise to mm-hmm. the table whatsoever. The other issue, though, that you touch on, which I think is a fascinating one, and that is that, that while we enjoy, unlike most nations, a tremendous degree of autonomy and freedom in relationship to religious freedoms in America, First Amendment rights, et cetera, uh, that's beginning to change. Mm-hmm. And particularly in states like California, that are not only creating a, a a hostile environment to the church that, for example, wants to build a new building, and the local city fathers say, "No, we want tax revenue coming out of that parcel of land, uh, but also we 're seeing things like the passage of laws that relate to and i and i can 't even believe we 've come this far in such a short period of time that all of a sudden now we're even at the point where we're legally questioning whether or not somebody's mm-hmm. the gender that they were born mm-hmm. and the influence that that can potentially have even on a church's hiring practices That's as right. it relates to uh, ministers and people that come on board as a part of the ministry that now all of a sudden have to deal with this tertiary power that's mm-hmm. not coming from God, not coming from the church board or the presbytery, but rather coming from that's right. the government.
2: That's right, yeah. And I would say to the pastors that are listening, protect yourself. Protect your constitution and bylaws. It's there for a reason. It's your legal document for your 501c3. Make sure it has your distinctives clearly in it. Because if it's not like Traditional marriage and who you want to hire. If you don't have that in your document, you may be suspect to be grandfathered into the newest law coming down uh, the pipes. And and a lot of times, you know, like I said, good intention is not good enough nowadays. You have to be smart. You have to know what you're doing. You have to get some good people around you that understand um politically as well as uh um uh legally what what's coming down are you seeing a paradigm shift taking place most definitely most definitely i mean the, the pastor today has to be a person that is well balanced in in everything you we just cannot st- stay in our study and you know work on our sermon for Sunday morning, I know a lot of pastors, obviously, they don't. That's only 10% of what we do. But we have to be well-equipped, get some people around us that know what they're doing so that we will be able to face uh, these things coming down. This paradigm shift,
1: is it something that the church has to respond to, or is this something that perhaps— Has been allowed to take place
2: because of some failure point of the church? I think both. I think it is a um, a systemic. It's our culture. uh, We cannot, um, uh, you know, it's one thing to try to fight or try to um, hold back uh, the the cultural. But but the reality is Scripture shows us that that this is going to come. It's gonna fence will come. it is coming. We just have to make sure that we're prepared for it, and we are able to do uh whatever we can do to prevent our churches and prevent uh you know our rights from being uh taken away that that cultural tie that would suggest things
1: like strict separation of church and state yeah. um it's okay to believe what you believe, but keep it to yourself. Uh, go to your house of worship, do your thing behind your four walls on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, we don't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That certainly seems to be the direction in which the culture would like to push the church. But what about for the church's sake itself? From a biblical perspective, uh, does God want us to have our relationship with him to be a very private, personal, quiet thing that we keep to ourselves? Or is the church more called to be out there in terms of salt and light, mm-hmm. and then, what of the matter of discipleship? We spend a lot of time these days talking about church growth. There are seminars that that address the issue of becoming a you know, seeker sensitive in in that sort, and we want to see numerical growth of the church. But the irony is, as I read the new testament there 's not much talk about that, but there 's a lot of talk about the importance of discipleship,
2: what it is to be a follower of jesus that's right well. I think it's both personally having that personal devotion. I'm a real big believer in that, your relationship with the Lord and getting your prayer time in and developing yourself up as an individual. But that's not an end to its means. It's it's for the purpose of being outward uh, so that you're strong outside. So the church has uh, an obligation to spend time and develop themselves. But at the same time, take that now empowered person and and make a difference. We're not to be in a closet. We are to be out there. And, um, you know, the narrative that the church has heard for years in your separation of church and state, that was never intended to be uh, for the church to be in this little corner. No, it was... The government back when the Constitution meant something that the government was saying, "Hey, the, we're not going to interfere with the church," but it wasn't saying that the church can't interfere with life and and it's 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 country. Uh, I thank God, you know, the forty nations I go into, every one of them has had a terrible uh, time with their. Their governments and 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 their rights, we're, we're so blessed as a nation. We have had years and years and years of incredible freedom, and and I, I, sadly, I think the church hasn't taken advantage of it.
1: We'll pause on that point. Come back to more of our conversation. Pastor Derek Meekins in studio with us today, senior pastor at Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. By the way, if you want to get more information about the church. You can check them out on the web at harvestvalley.org. That's harvestvalley.org. They meet Sunday mornings at nine AM and ten forty-five AM at thirty-two hundred Hopyard Road in Pleasanton. And again, complete details available on the web at harvestvalley.org. We take this brief time out. Back with more right after this.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back. Today in studio, Derek Meekins, our special guest, senior pastor at Harvest Valley Church of Pleasanton. Information available on the web at harvestvalley.org. Talk to us a bit about church life at Harvest Valley. I I was fascinated in going to your website, ministering to the practical needs of of the poor. Tell me more about that.
2: Well, it's, you know, we purpose to be ministers of wholeness, which Goes beyond just salvation because the reality is God has called us not just to live life but live it more abundantly. So not just coming in and showing up, but actually showing up and then going back out. That's right. And God has so much more in store for believers than just saying I made it. <laughs> uh, and that's got my that, fire insurance <laughs> yeah, policy. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's something that we really believe in. That's why we have. Uh, ministries that help addiction like uh celebrate recovery and we have ministries that really go after the whole the, the the person that wants to be made whole because when you're whole you're able to really be impactful and so we want people not just to come in and feel um like they they They're part of something, but we want people to come in and feel like they matter, that they're restored, and that's why we have ministry time. We love the altar. I love not just communicating the scriptures, but I love the practical application of people receiving uh, what God wants for them to receive that day. So that's part of it, prayer, um, reaching out in, in, in that, that regard is is all part of the wholeness aspect discipleship is getting people um, into a, a life flow of, of sharing the love of Jesus and witnessing as well as um, knowing who they are identifying scriptures that pertains to their life and so these sort of things in my opinion make a whole church I mean not just an event, but a lifestyle. We talk about the three R's in school. Uh, maybe this is sort
1: of a, a, a twist on that. The three R's uh, being reconciliation, restoration, and relationship. Yes. yeah. So the emphasis of not not that you have to get cleaned up to come in. That's right. But once you come in, there is restoration available. And maybe this is one of the reasons why the church... Um, in America today, it has, has found itself a bit floundering, a bit ineffective in terms of impact, because we come in broken and we remain that way, yeah. that whew, I made it, right. <laughs> as you mentioned a moment right. ago, as if somehow we've, we've crossed over the line, so um, our sense of, of, of security in terms of our salvation is there, but we remain broken mm-hmm. because we've shied away from really understanding what it means to enter into the fullness of a relationship That's with right. God, through which then that restoration can take place.
2: That's right. You know, the Bible is very clear about the authority of the believer and what we have um, in us to uh, impart and to give out to other people. And that's why we as a church, we feel confident that a person doesn't have to leave broken. We have a place of prayer. We have a place where uh, a place of healing. Um, We see ourselves as a hospital. Uh, that people could come to, and not just go away with some information, but really be ministered to. So it, it, it you know, that's what we want to focus on: is that the church is not just a, um, you know, a la carte menu, but it is it's it, you can get the whole meal. You know it, that that's what we're here for, and that's what, uh, in my opinion, Jesus has empowered the church to do. We're not just to say come on in, but we're also to say hey, what needs do you have? And as a body of Christ, we're able to meet those needs, not us personally, but Christ in us. And so with that idea in mind, then, there are
1: several dynamics to what you're offering at Harvest Valley in terms of Celebrate Recovery. You mentioned about Mm -hmm. that. Um, I noticed that there's an extensive outreach in terms of men's ministry, women's Mm -hmm. ministry, youth ministry, part of your own Mm -hmm.
2: background. What else? Oh, gosh. We have events. We have outreach. We just did an outreach at our church, uh, a harvest party. We had over 1,000 people come to our church. And this is a time for us to uh, just just capture people in our community and just let them know, hey, we, we love you. Just come as you are. We want uh, you to know that this church is not just a place of worship, but people like you that w- regardless of the walk of life, we're, we're being affected by the power of God. We want you. To be affected in the same way, and and uh, it, it it is a place where people can go to uh, identify their gifts and callings, uh, whatever whatever God is revealing to you. We have a place for you, and if we don't have it, we want to make it. <laughs> so um, I, that's what we want to do. We want to connect purpose and calling uh, with a ministry and and getting out there and. Experiencing life the way God has called us all to experience it.
1: Different churches have different characters or personalities. In terms of, of how you would look at Harvest Valley, what would you say is the church's number one strength? Uh, real.
2: We're real. We're um, loving. Um, you've, when you walk into the body of Christ at our church, there's no agenda other than worshiping God and loving people. It's, it's, it's very unique. Um, there's a sense of God has been waiting for you. And regardless of where you're at uh, in faith, uh, brokenness, need of healing, that their needs are going to be met. And there's, so there's an anticipation of God's power. And so that's what we have really worked on as a church in fact, our slogan now is we've been waiting for you, not just us as individuals, but the Holy Spirit has been waiting for you. And that's what we want people to feel. You know, more than more than anything, how can I get involved? First thing is knowing that there is a presence and a power of God that has been waiting for each individual coming in our house that... Um, is unique and and ready to reach out to them.
1: If you are new to the San Francisco Bay Area or perhaps in search of a new church home, you may want to drop by and check out Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. Again, as we mentioned earlier, the service times are Sunday mornings at 9 and again at 10.45 a.m. at 3200 Hopyard Road in Pleasanton. If you check out the website, harvestvalley.org, you'll get a bit of a sense of the breadth and depth of um, the, the ministries available at Harvest Valley. And... Um, what's available for you. So again, more information on the web at harvestvalley.org. That's harvestvalley.org. You can also call them for more information at 925-484-2482. That's 925-484-2482. Pastor Meekins, we appreciate so much you taking time to come by and to share with us today.
2: Thank you so much.
1: I I appreciate it. You bet. Again, more information on the web at harvestvalley.org. And our thanks to Pastor Derek Meekins, Senior Pastor at Harvest Valley Church of Pleasanton.
0: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group, all rights reserved